This is the Cleveland Guardians Fancast with your host, Quincy Wheeler, a podcast about the Cleveland Guardians and their fans. to the Cleveland Guardians Fancast. I'm your host, Quincy Wheeler. You can find us at Guardian Fancasts on Twitter and Quincy Wheeler1 on Twitter. And you can email me at Quincy at GuardiansFancast.com. Well, we've come to the end of the inaugural Cleveland Guardians baseball season, and it has been far more successful than any of us could have dreamed. Some of us may have expected 90 wins. I've heard that out there, but I'm not sure anyone expected them to get to the point that they have in the season where they've won the American League Wild Card Series and they took two out of five from the Yankees in the American League Division Series. I don't think the front office expected it. I don't think probably a lot of the players expected it. And I don't think Tito expected it at the beginning of the year. But here they are. They're an amazing team. Love every single one of the players and so proud that they play for the Guardians, the team that I get to root for. Just to offer some brief analysis of the game, I was supportive of the idea of Savali starting the game, and if you listen to the podcast, you know that I really like Aaron Savali and think there's a lot of potential there, but of course he doesn't have the margin for error that other guys have. If he's off his game, if his control's off, he's going to get hit pretty hard, he's going to walk guys, and so the Guardians were behind the eight ball before this game even started as he gave up that three-run homer. Turns out it was probably a better idea to just try to pitch this game as a bullpen game, but even then, one run wasn't going to get it done. The Guardians just couldn't get anything going offensively. Nestor Cortez looked like Nestor Cortez against the Guardians. He usually handles them pretty well, and even when he doesn't, it just seems like they can't quite figure him out. He especially seems like he's got Jose Ramirez figured out, and Josh Naylor can't hit lefties at all. So that's kind of where things ended up in this series. The bullpen was great. As usual, Sam Hinch just gave up a home run to Judge, but hey, who hasn't given up a home run to Judge? (laughs) The series just turned on a dime, as it tends to do. You know, this is the first time that the Guardians have lost back-to-back games since September 4th, so it was bound to happen. Quantrill losing at home was bound to happen eventually. Just some of those things that happen, and eventually it catches up with the end of the season. We all know, and we can see on paper, the Guardians weren't quite as talented as the New York Yankees. Pitching-wise, I think they can keep up with them, but hitting-wise, it wasn't quite there. Especially if you don't have Jose Ramirez hitting at his full capabilities, and you know Andre Simenez has been in a little bit of a slump, probably getting tired at the end of the year. That's kind of how things are going to go. Steven Kwan still looked great. Josh Naylor had some nice hard hits. Oscar Gonzalez has always been key for us in this playoffs throughout the whole thing. Uh, but it just wasn't quite enough, and that's kind of how it goes sometimes. I'll admit that it is disappointing because you never know for sure if your team's going to make it back to the playoffs, and you never know how a playoff series is going to go. When you win a playoff series and then you give yourself a 2-1 to lead in another playoff series, you really have to find a way to finish that out and get on to the next series because the opportunities of that to happen are not always clear. Look at the Dodgers, look at the Mets, look at the Braves, look at uh, other teams in the American League that 
had a lot going for them this year that things fell apart. It doesn't always turn out how you expect when you get to the playoffs because the playoffs are such a crapshoot. So when you have a 2-1 to lead in a playoff series, you absolutely should find a way to close it out. And I'm sure that's sticking with the Guardians um, as they go to sleep tonight, and they'll just have to move on from it. Terry Francona sounded kind of upset in the post-game conference, press conference, and that's why. I think that they're going to have to say, well, what can we do differently to make sure this doesn't happen? And hopefully the front office and ownership especially takes a look to say, how can we really shore up this team, uh, shore up the depth, shore up the lineup, shore up the pitching to make sure that we give them the absolute best chance they have to succeed in future Octobers this year and beyond. And we'll talk about that. I'm going to talk about that in the latter half of this episode. I'll talk about some things to look at the offseason in case that's something that you want to do. But for those of you who aren't ready to turn the page and kind of take an early peek at the offseason, just wanted to take a second to appreciate this team and kind of provide a little chance to vent about some things that have gone on as the series ended. Besides the pitching situation, which again, I would have opened up with Trevor Steffen as an opener and then kind of brought Savali in for the lower half of the order. But if Savali's going to pitch like that, that's the way things were going to go no matter what. Eventually, he was going to give up those three runs no matter what. So not really much you can do about it except to say, well, we should probably be comfortable going with a bullpen game because of how great our bullpen was and the opportunity they had to really close out the series. I think the front office and ownership have to really look and say, well, what would have happened if we would have been able to add a starter, if we would have been able to add a right-handed power bat, which the latter seems like it was more likely to take place, as pretty much all the starters, most of the starters that got traded got hurt, and that was kind of how it looked going into things. So unless you were going to hugely overpay, you weren't going to get a starter that could really help you. So that's maybe understandable, and maybe that's the way things turn out. But man, it would have been nice to have a little more help off the bench than what the Guardians were able to get from Owen Miller and Gabriel Arias. Gabriel Arias played really well, put up some good at-bats, but just young, just a little young for that role right now. So wonder if they think about that and something they'll have to kind of take with them. I got myself in a little bit of a hornet's nest online by saying I thought that Josh Naylor's celebration after his home run kind of killed the vibes of the series. People thought that meant that I was saying Josh Naylor was responsible for the series loss, which absolutely is not the case. I just found it to come across kind of selfish to taunt the opposing pitcher and dance around the bases when uh, your team's still behind by a run and you're still going to have to play that that team if you don't come back in that series. And I know Naylor, after the game, said he thought it was cool that everybody in the stadium was chanting, who's your daddy, to him, and that he had just he'd made them all mad like that. He thought that was amazing that that happened. But I do think that that's a little short-sighted not to think about how it affects your whole team. Was the whole team affected by the idea that a stadium was constantly like yelling at Naylor? No, I've said before I don't think players are hugely affected by fans like that. But I do think it kind of plays into the thinking to say, well, now people aren't talking about this team and how we can be dangerous towards the Yankees. They're talking about what Josh Naylor did when he ran around the bases. Josh Naylor, Josh Naylor, Josh Naylor instead of the team. Well, maybe the team wanted that. Maybe the team wanted him to take some of the focus off of them. But for me, it just seemed a little bit, look at me, Louie, not something I would have preferred. Again, I love celebrations. I even love taunting the other team now and then. Not individual opponents so much, but the other team. I, I like that when in the right spot. But when you're behind, it just doesn't make sense to me, and it makes it more about you in that situation. So 
that's just one of those things that I guess I just have to vent about. I love Josh Naylor. Love that he's on this team. Support him being on this team. Wanted to hit less against left-handers, but absolutely love him being on this team. He's provided some of the biggest moments that this team has had all season long. I've been a huge defender of him all year long. I'll defend him to the death as a, as a hitter and a person. I know that he doesn't have a selfish bone in his body from what I've seen. He's all about the team, so this isn't a personal criticism of him. This is my perception of how it came across and how I would like to reflect on it if I were in that locker room, which I'm not. So we'll see if they at all address that. Now, for those of you who've stuck with this podcast throughout the year, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed my takes on the team, the people that we've had on, fans. We'll be talking to more fans in the offseason, hearing about your experience as Cleveland baseball fans. Hopefully you can stay positive about the team and start looking forward to next year and feel really, really good about this season that's gone by. We'll go back and we'll look at some of the highlights of the season, talk about our favorite moments, and appreciate just everyone on this wonderful team. Just so grateful for the Cleveland Guardians and looking forward to rooting them on in future seasons. So we'll pause there for anybody who wants to exit at this point. Uh, And for those of you that want to keep going and take a little peek at next year, I'll just give you my take on some off-season priorities. Some priorities, extend Shane Bieber. Man, I'd love to see that happen. Love to keep that guy here for as long as possible. Don't know if it's realistic. Would love to see it happen. Extend Tristan McKenzie, Stephen Kwan, and or Andres Jimenez. Those are your guys kind of entering into that territory where you can buy out their arbitration years and add a couple years on. Those are the three guys that I would absolutely go after in those scenarios. I would like to see them sign or trade for a starting pitcher. That way you kind of move your starting pitcher depth a little bit. I mean, they've got a lot of starting pitcher depth, but you just can never have too much. So in free agency, they could revisit the Carlos Rodon idea. Carlos Carrasco is going on free agency. We'd like to see him back for a year. That would be kind of cool. Tyler Anderson is a guy I wanted last year. Had a great year for the Dodgers, left-handed pitcher. Probably could get him on a one- to two-year deal. Those are some free agents. And, of course, trades. Is Milwaukee going to be interested in trading Brandon Woodruff for Corbin Burns? Probably for an arm and a leg, a lot of return value. But if they are interested, hope the Guardians come calling. Blake Snell from the Padres. I think there might be a possibility of a fit there because the Padres are going to kind of make a deep run this year. But it seems like they might want to take a little step back payroll-wise. And you could maybe get Snell and replenish their farm because they're always trying to work on their farm. So that could be a possibility. Pablo Lopez from the Marlins. Marlins are looking to have a more contact-oriented offense. So maybe they want some of those contact-oriented players like Tyler Freeman and so forth from the Guardian system. Could find a fit there. Uh, Corb- and, uh, sorry, and uh, Tyler Glassnow from the Rays. Rays and Guardians always trading back and forth. Glassnow getting close to free agency. Something to keep an eye on. And again, Herman Marquez. The Rockies never trade anybody. But if they were interested, I still think the Guardians could could fix Marquez. Uh, sign or trade for a right-handed hitter. Free agents, Josh Bell, Trey Mancini, Jose Abreu, Christian Vasquez, who's a catcher, or Brandon Drury. Um, those are all be inter- bats of interest to me, bat from the right-handed side. Some guys I could possibly trade for, Sean Murphy, Danny Jansen, Reese Hoskins, Christian Walker, Anthony Santander, Adolis Garcia or Taylor Ward. Ward had an amazing season for the Angels. Not sure if they'd be interested in trading, but if they look at maybe doing some rebuilding, that would be somebody that I'd be calling about. Uh, Christian Walker's an amazing defender at first, had a really great season. Doesn't sound like the guard, the uh, Diamondbacks want to trade him. 
Reese Hoskins, I think, is probably available. He's not a good defender, but he absolutely crushes left-handed pitching and has a really good good bat from the right-hand side. Kind of guy could maybe figure out how to work with Naylor and, and Oscar Gonzalez and figure all that out, but a name to kind of keep an eye on. Of course, we talk about Sean Murphy and Dan Jansen, uh, so that kind of goes along with the next priority of get a veteran catcher to pair with Bo Naylor. Maybe it's Austin Hedges, but I'd like to see somebody who can actually hit the ball uh, who's also a good defender come alongside um, Bo Naylor and help him out there. Uh, and then also, of course, the Guardians have to sort through all their internal options. Who's going to be the shortstop of the future? Who's going to be the second baseman of the future? Andres Jimenez could be either one of those, but is likely is going to be, you'd think. Uh, where are you going to figure out how to make the outfield work? Like, uh, Which pitchers should you prioritize? Which other pitchers should you be willing to trade? All those things they have to really sort out this offseason so they can get the 40-man straightened out and get this roster really set for a postseason run. All right, so here's my aggressive projected 2023 lineup. So see what you think about what I've done. So here I've got uh, no, I've got Stephen Kwan leading off in center field, moving to center field. Andre Simenez, second base, third base, Jose Ramirez uh, in the cleanup spot, Oscar Gonzalez, DH, uh, Josh Naylor, first base. Tyler O'Neill. I didn't mention him on my list, but I think the Guardians could probably pull off a trade with the Cardinals for Tyler O'Neill, who's a great right-handed bat. Had kind of a down season, but if you look at his previous season, hit 34 homers. Really think that there's some bounce-back capability. A guy who hits left-handed pitching well would fit in well with this lineup. So that was my choice there. And you could put him second if you wanted. I just kind of put him sixth to kind of let him have that rebound. George Valera in left field. I'm a big fan of getting Valera the start coming out of spring training, giving him the chance to work through things like Stephen Kwan did, giving him a chance to win Rookie of the Year. Ahmed Rosario at shortstop. Uh, not sure if Ahmed will be back, but I think they'll probably let him play out another year and try to sort out between Rocchio, Arias, and Martinez, who's going to play shortstop second base, and Andre Simenez plays the other role. So I suspect he'll be back, but I'd like to see him bat lower in the order. And then ninth, Bo Naylor at catcher. Uh, like Bo Naylor batting last because he's got some speed, can turn the lineup over. I think that'd be a good spot for him. Uh, now some big things for the club. I'd like to see them make a free agent acquisition of Christian Vasquez, uh, who's a really good defensive catcher in his 30s. Uh, he can also play a little infield, a little first base if need be, a right-handed hitter. And I just would love to see them sign him to like a two-year deal to go alongside Bo Naylor. I think that'd be a great choice for them. Uh, then I have a Tyler Freeman at the infield spot, but it could also be maybe Nolan Jones in that spot if they trade Tyler Freeman. Depends on who they trade. So I just put Tyler Freeman there for now, play infield spots. Uh, or it could be Will Brennan. They could go with another uh, outfielder there. Uh, so that could be a possibility. And then Miles Straw, I put as a fourth outfielder, pinch hitter in the right situation, pinch runner, uh, defensive replacement. I think his bat just isn't quite enough, but we'll see how the team feels about it. Maybe they feel like he, they can fix him, and we'll see. And Gabriel Arias, uh, of course, he can play infield or outfield positions. He's showing that. really feel like he's got a firm spot on the team. Now, notably, my entire bench is right-handed, which is a little weird there. But the lineup is a little heavy with left-handers and switch hitters, so I think that that kind of works out. In the rotation, I decided... 
for Bieber, McKenzie, and making a trade for Pablo Lopez. Feel like there's probably a fit with the Marlins with them looking to kind of rebuild a little bit and get some contact hitters. So figure that out with them. So I put Pablo Lopez in there. I put Cal Quantrill in there. And for that fifth spot, maybe Cody Morris, maybe Aaron Savali. I still like Aaron Savali, but I decided to put Cody Morris here today because I don't think anybody really wants to think about Aaron Savali right now. So maybe they trade him and as part of these deals that they're working on to, to a team that likes what they see there. And there's a lot to like about Aaron Savali. Bullpen, hey, maybe they keep the Zach Plesak, who would be a good reliever. Sam Hinches, Nick Sandlin, hopefully he's healthy. Angel De Los Santos, Eli Morgan, Trevor Steffen, James Karinchek, and Emmanuel Classe. Uh, honestly, I feel, I feel like this team is so much more suited to kind of make a run, plus with all the depth you'd have behind them. I don't think a trade for Tyler O'Neill and Pablo Lopez completely empties out your system, just really helps uh, free up some log jams, as well as you'll have to give up some good players for sure. You have to give up some good players. Um, but I think the Guardians have enough talent in their minor league system towards the top where they can pull this off and still make things work. Well, there's kind of a brief look ahead of what could be possible for the year ahead. There'll be a lot of thinking and dreaming and rumoring and uh, figuring out to go on in the off season. So I hope you're interested in doing that with me. Uh, if you like the podcast, don't forget to go to sheetsgoogles.com and check out their amazing sheets, uh, great holiday gifts. Everyone will love sleeping on them, help you sleep and support a company that does their work in the U.S. and does it sustainably. Use the promo code GUARDIANS when you check out to save 15% and support the podcast. Again, thank you so much for joining me in this first Cleveland Guardians season. What a great season. Love this team and love each one of you fans. This has been the Cleveland Guardians FanCast. You can find us Monday through Friday on any podcast service that you prefer. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, like, and download so that we can continue to produce these podcasts for your enjoyment.